This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Cody McLean, who is an entrepreneur since the age of 14. He is the founder of Support Ninja, providing outsourcing support to some of the biggest companies in Silicon Valley and the author of From Foster Care to Millionaire. Thank you for coming on today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So get into uh, your story a little bit. How'd you get started? I know the book covers a lot of this, but kind of how'd you become an entrepreneur, a founder? Uh, What drove you? So it started when I was about 14. I was kind of an odd kid in school. I didn't really fit in. And I ended up being a poor kid going to a rich high school. And I wanted to find something, but I I never, I was never good at sports, never really found my thing. And then one day my my friend who was actually quite rich, he, uh, his, his mom was upset at him and he wanted to buy the new Xbox. And so he thought, of a way to go around her is by starting a business. And so we brainstormed all these different business ideas and I thought the majority of them were just absolutely ridiculous. But then somehow we settled on the idea of opening up a hosting account at, at hostgator.com and, do, and providing reseller hosting and somehow that would make us rich. And about a week later, it, it kind of fell apart. But for some reason, that that idea of, of finding a template, of brainstorming a domain name and thinking of a name for a company and selling it, actually making money, it appealed to me. So I stuck with it. And ever since then, I, I had a business from that 14, 15 years old, and that grew into a series of businesses and failures and successes throughout my childhood. Uh, later on, uh, so my dad died actually even prior to that. He died when I was 11. And so it was just my mom, my sister and I, and then I going to the school. And I, it kind of gave me a purpose in some sense of, of actually in some ways it was wanting to prove to these other rich kids that I could be just as successful as they were and I didn't need my parents' money. Uh, and so that kind of blo- blossomed and eventually my mother actually passed at, at around the age of 17. And I was in a foster care for a short period of time. And actually my book, it starts off at the beginning where I'm actually being driven to foster care. And at the same day, the business that I had, so again, it was a hosting company. And so we're providing web hosting services to other other people around the world. And my my server, it actually crashed that same day that I was being taken to foster care. And I, I remember actually arriving there, you know, I'm all teary, I'm teary, uh, uh, crying. And I get a, I get this call on my cell phone and it was, it was from Scotland Yard. And so Scotland Yard was actually investigating me because because they had received enough complaints from my customers in, in England that they were investigating that. And I literally just broke down and told them like, my, I, I'm, I'm in foster care, like the, my server crashed and all these things. And she didn't honestly know what to say, but that was probably one of like the saddest days of my life actually is being in foster care and having my business die, which was at that point, it was everything that meant everything to me, right? That business, it was my baby uh, and to have it die and the 
to be in foster care was uh, not it was it was not a great situation but nonetheless I recovered I restarted the business some of my clients that I was able to bring with me and I just went through this whole period of, of basically out of surviving myself trying to make money from the business uh, and long story short to, to go all the way up to like 18 uh, or 20 is I had a business partner up in Vancouver I moved up there for a short period of time the business that fell apart we found this guy who was a penny stock investor and he ended up scamming us out of the business and at that point I had built the business up to it was generator generating around six hundred thousand dollars a year and we went to this whole lawsuit and I won't get into the details of it but my perspective he was a very bad guy and inevitably you're gonna deal with bad people in business but we we ended up selling out the business and I was left with $60,000 in my bank account, high school dropout in Seattle, had no friends, had no family. And I began, I just went right back into that survival mode of, okay, I have to create another business. I have to be successful. And that was the founding of my next company called PacificHost.com. And then I, I, then I moved to, to LA for a little bit of time, tried to become an actor, realized that wasn't my thing. Uh, and eventually I was able to sell Pacific Host for a little south of about a million dollars. And then, then after that, I was like, wow, I've had my first successful exit. Then I went off and became a pilot, uh, did scuba diving, became a rescue diver, uh, started learning photography, started traveling the world. And then eventually that led me to founding my current company called Support Ninja. And, and Support Ninja is, a, is an outsourced company where we provide outsourced technical support to other companies like Checker. Uh, we do RV share. We have a lot of other Silicon Valley clients that can't actually name, but we have about 500 plus people in the Philippines, about 12 people here in Austin. In Texas, and we provide outsourced technical support. And uh, that I know that's like a, a, a lot. And then that also led me to basically writing my book because I meet I've met a lot of, of young kids of underprivileged youth who feel like they they're, they're not going to ever do anything that's worthwhile in their life. And I want to, to let them know that that's totally untrue because I was I was fat, I was bullied, uh, I was made fun of. And I had to constantly prove everybody else that I could I could do it, you know. And it was actually everybody else telling me that I can't that in some ways fueled that ambition, that desire to prove them wrong. And so that's kind of what my book's about: is wanting to inspire others to do to raise their ambitions with what they think they're actually capable of. So that's my pitch. <laughs> no, that's really awesome. And uh, me and my wife became foster parents, foster to adopt. So we're trying to kind of go about the system and be there for our foster kids. Um, we want to adopt them, but it looks like they're going back to their biological mom. Mm. So being put in the foster system, how was it for you? Were you with your sibling or did you guys get split up? No. So I, so I wasn't, I wasn't in the foster system for long. Uh, my, my mother was, was actually taken to a, a it, was, it was not a mental health. It was an addiction clinic because she was addicted to alcohol. And so my grandfather was able to have her, have a judge actually uh, committed to this hospital to remove her from her alcoholism. Uh, so it was only a few weeks and then I was able to go back with my mother until then she died. Uh, but then luckily I had somebody that was a friend of my grandfather that was a retired judge and he was actually able to get me a legal guardian that was able to prevent me from going back into foster care. Uh, and and the, the way I supported myself again was having a business. So it was part luck uh, and just situational context of uh, being able to get out of that situation. Uh, but 
when I was in foster care, I, I did befriend uh, another kid, and I think his name was Joey, and his his parents were were drug addicts, and they couldn't take care of him, and I just I just fell for him, uh, and I could see definitely how being a foster parent or, or trying to yourself it can have a huge impact in the lives because the, at least at least the parent the the foster family that I was with I don't think they they did it out of love and appreciation you know I think they were doing it for the money because you get X amount of money from the state even though it's not a lot of money uh, but you know I think you can do it for the wrong or the right reasons uh, but I don't know if that answers your question no it does a lot of people do it for the wrong reason but thinking about it they can go and make so much more money if they put their mind to it rather than you know kind of exploiting or milking the system for these kids so you kind of mentioned your first you know trial and tribulation in terms of business when you got scammed by someone how did you kind of overcome that oh that was hard uh so so the initial partnership i had is is i I had this older guy his name is brian um a fantastic guy uh he kind of became like a father figure and i basically said okay you handle the business the legal infrastructure of it and i'll do i'll do the marketing i'll do the website or do the branding i'll basically get us the customers and so that was the initial kind of agreement that we had and he ended up having a friend that knew this guy that that dealt with penny stock investors and this guy was a smooth talking guy who could literally sell you on anything he would always use a sales tactics of, of using pressure like you know you've got to do it now and we ended up signing uh, a, a a tentative agreement and so all, all Brian did he wrote the word tentative at the top and then we we were both hesitant because this guy was saying let sell me your company and I will find you investors and we'll raise millions of dollars and we'll make it a much more successful company uh, but after we signed this tentative agreement I googled his name and then found out that he had scammed other people in the past and then we went to a lawyer and the lawyer was like, oh yeah, like this agreement is full of, full of holes. You'll, you'll never have any troubles with it. But the problem is that he used scare tactics. He was able to scare us into submission and both of us were scared. And I went through this whole period. I would actually say it was more traumatic to be in this year long lawsuit with this guy than it was even when my parents died because at least that was like an instant thing. It just happened. And with this, it, I was working on this company with Brian for years. And then this guy was basically trying to steal it away from us. And I went through this whole period where I was waking up every morning and I didn't know what to do because I felt like if I worked and I invested in the company, if I if I built out the new website, if I tried to improve the company, that it, it might not matter in the end because this guy could actually steal the company from us. Uh, but inevitably we settled and we gave him the company but the problem is that he damaged the business during the lawsuit so he was trying to like he was able to get the 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 bank account shut down because he was saying he owned the business and the bank was like well we don't know who owns the business so we're going to shut the bank account down Uh, and there was all these little things that he was able to do to basically coerce us and he damaged the reputation of the company all the while so when we he did get ownership of the company it was in a free fall at that time like we were losing customers left and right the reputation was was damaged uh, severely and so he ended up having to pay this this the server bill of like 50 60k a month that he couldn't actually afford so he ended up just doing what's called a fire sale where he just sold the assets and I don't know if he even really even made any money from that I think he kind of screwed himself over by screwing us in order to give him the company but after that Brian was very uh, Brian basically was resentful towards me and saying that I couldn't start another company without him. That it's it's his involvement that's what made it even remotely successful. And then I basically said, screw you. And I had a falling out and I moved to Seattle. And then I'm in this mindset where I have no, I have no diploma. I have no, I didn't go to college and I'm, I'm questioning what am I going to do? And I ended up applying for a few jobs 
And one of them was actually a hosting job. And I told the guy, I was being honest, that look, I want to start a hosting company on the side because that's my dream. It's my vision for the future. And he's like, okay, I'll give you a $50 an hour job doing customer service for me, but you have to give me your company. And at that point, that was my full commitment of like, no, I am not going to give up my vision for a $15 an hour job. And I put my whole heart and effort into it, working 15, 16 hour days. I, I live, breathe and eat that company. And I had no education whatsoever. It was just everything I was learning online and through trial and error and seeing what other companies are doing and copying their success. And that was that eventually led me to have a successful company. Uh, and I'm still humble to this day. I have even a more, a way more even successful company than I did in the past. Um, but if I had let myself not go that route of, of building something, of sticking to that vision, that dream, then, you know, none of this would have been possible. No, yeah, you can't really give up on that. And I know you mentioned you worked long hours for a long period of time. And I think with founders and entrepreneurs, the the topic of mental health comes up. So how were you kind of able to stay up in terms of your spirits and keep your mental health uh, in check? Uh, I, I still have anxiety to this day. It's still something I have to, to get over. But I, I started at some point, I, was, I started to read articles on Forbes and Entrepreneur, and I started to see what other successful people do. And for the most part, I was just working all the time and I ended up burning myself out. But I did didn't even know what burnout was. I was in this perpetual state of just being stressed out all the time. But after reading what other people did, they, they meditated, they read books, uh, they, they exercised, then slowly I started to read books. I, I, I think my, one of my first books I read was on the power of habit. And that, that showed me just how possible it was to actually start eating better, to exercise and whatnot. So I started challenging myself to just going on the treadmill for just 30 minutes a day. And then that allowed me to increase that goal and that ambition to exercising. And now today I, I, I exercise about five days a week. I'll, I'll alternate between jogging four miles and going to the gym and doing strength training. Uh, then I also have my my routine where I meditate. And so this is not something I had uh, early on. This is probably what led to kind of a, a low grade depression and anxiety later in my life. But I started to figure out how to deal with that as I went through uh, dealing with life and all the all the trials and tribulations with it. Uh, but uh, to clarify today, I have what I call my mind, body and my, my mind, my body, my soul routine where I'll, I'll wake up, I'll meditate for 20 minutes. I, I'll I like to use either the Headspace app or YouTube. I know there's tons of other ways of doing it, but I like how Headspace allows you to, to pick a track in a specific area, whether it's being kind to yourself, uh, having more compassion, um, having more creativity, having more focus, is that I, I like to be able to have a specific meditation where I can focus on this one area. And then I'll do the exercise, and then I'll also read for 30 minutes a day. Getting a Kindle was one of the most profound, helpful things I've ever had. And the first time when I started reading 30 minutes a day, after six months, I was able to look back and I'm like, wow, I'm so much smarter. Like, I wish I had started reading a lot earlier in life. Uh, and I always thought I would never read books because they're so boring and somehow I got into the habit. It's like a slow addiction, I think. It's like reading a book. It's, it's like a video game, you can get addicted to it instantly because that that feedback, that dopamine receptor is like so quick than that feedback mechanism. And books, it takes a lot longer, right? But the, the longer you stick it out, the more you will see the benefits of doing that. And then it kind of hooks you into it. Uh, but for the most part, to answer your question, I think mindfulness, uh, having more of an awareness about my, my thoughts, uh, what triggers uh, bad behavior, uh, and then how to, 
how to rectify that through meditation or, or healthy habits. Yeah, I think as you get older, you get a, a better sense of uh, emotional IQ and self-awareness. So that really helps kind of make you become a more rounded person. And I think I've had the same thing in my youth, where if I look back, if I handle situations how I do now, the outcomes would have been a lot more uh you know, streamlined. All right. So in terms of uh, Support Ninja, it would probably be your biggest company to date in terms of employees and, you know, people managed. Yes. So how do you kind of uh, deal with a, a bigger company more so, you know, the biggest one you've, you know, you've had thus far, what kind of things come into play as you scale and get more employees, especially employees that a lot of which are remote? Uh, well, actually, most of our employees uh, are, are in an office. So we we're in Austin. We have an uh, we have an Austin-based office, and then in the Philippines. Uh, so I went over there for like 45 days, two months, the first time, and then that's how I established our office in the Philippines. And we have about 500 people in the in our Philippine office, uh, and, and that certainly wasn't an easy process. I don't know that I would I would wish it upon anybody to go figure out how to register a foreign corporation in a third world country. Definitely was not an easy thing to do, uh, but now that I'm here, it's 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 amazing and humbling to have such a huge company. Uh, but it's also presented its its share, fair share of challenges, right? I think our biggest issue that we're having right now is is either going to be either in, in the range of capital because of all the assets and computers and and building out new office space, but then also of culture because once you expand out of a certain number of people, it can be difficult to try and maintain that that sense of unique culture that makes Support Ninja what it was when I first started out so so those are our biggest issues at the moment but another way I've had of dealing with the management is just understanding that I myself I'm not a great manager and I also don't really have a huge desire to, to lead in the operations so I was lucky to find a great CEO Connor Tomkeys who I've been working with for a few years and he basically runs the company so I made him CEO um, I have a great chief operating officer and I, I have regular meetings with our executive team leadership uh, every every week and we go over various KPIs and metrics and I like to provide my own insights and ideas that help to try and make it more unique I like to see myself as like a problem solver so everybody else kind of has their roles they're making sure all the all the sub departments are meeting their objectives and I like to see if, if I see a problem spot I like to do a deep dive into that and seeing is it a people-based pro problem is it a process issue or is it a culture issue and trying to determine what's the way that we can try and fix this so that as we continue to scale we don't have that same issue so yeah yeah I think it's important when you're growing not to lose the culture you were founded in and then scalability obviously that it doesn't get out of hand in terms of growing too fast or at whatever pace that you want to grow right so in terms of someone coming from any kind of situation a privileged one a troubled one they want to do something they want to start a company what's one kind of takeaway you can leave with the audience in terms of what's helped you over time? Uh, for me, it's, it's having a belief in myself. When when younger, I didn't have that belief. I didn't have that self-confidence uh, because I didn't know anything. And I thought it was a disadvantage of being a high school dropout and, and not going to school and having an MBA, knowing a lot about business. But in reality, that was my advantage is that I was able to use that that inexperience of looking at something in, in a new way. Like all my companies, they were, they were businesses that were in existing niche markets, but I I found a market that was underutilized. It had a, it had less competitors in it. Uh, in some ways, they were they were new areas, and so I didn't have that experience. I didn't even know how to do outsourcing in the beginning. Uh, I, I discovered it as I went along, and so it's it's helpful to know that 
even if you don't have a full understanding of something, if you have a desire, if you see an opportunity that you shouldn't let that little voice in your head that says, I can't stop you from doing it. Uh, it was simply through through pure work and determination, I was able to, st to start everything I have today. Even when I started Support Ninja, I was super afraid. Like, how am I going to register a, a corporation in a third world country? How am I going to understand the labor laws of uh, what if there's corruption? What if there's all these things, you know, all these things race through my head? Inevitably, anybody, if you're starting a business, if you're doing something new, but you can't let that stop you. You just have to put one foot in front of the other and just trust that your future self will handle it. And, and inevitably, that's what's happened in my case and many of the other successful entrepreneurs I see around myself. So um, have that belief, that self-confidence. Don't let it get you down um, and just, just look in the short term and trust that your future self will be able to take care of it. No, I totally agree and regardless of what anyone's doing that's really important so i really appreciate you coming on today uh can you let the audience know how to find you or anything you have going on that you want to uh highlight sure uh, so I, I have a weekly newsletter i call it the mind hack digest i send out an interesting story of the week and it has either immoral ethical in implications that you can then apply to your own life i do it in everything from from business stories to to greek myth mythological stories and it's always super fascinating and i always combine that with interesting links like new studies new psychology studies um interesting things on productivity and business that i found over the week as, week as well uh, you can find that out just by going to my website Cody mclean.com that's c-o-d-y-m-c-l-a-i-n.com or also follow me on twitter at twitter at cody mclean.com awesome thank you for coming on thanks for having me this podcast has been brought to you by nova zora digital find out how nora zora digital can help your company grow online learn more at novazoradigital.com until next time all you digital savages.